0: The Ultimate OD Podcast. Great episode for you today. We're taking lessons from a door-to-door salesman. We got five key tips you need to know. It will help you be a better doctor. Tune in. You want to hear them. A little office talk. Closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the ultimate OD podcast, great episode for you today. Today, we're talking about the five things you can learn from a door-to-door salesman. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know my background. Before I went to optometry school, I worked for a roofing company. And again, I know nothing about roofing. I'm not very good with my hands in terms of like handiwork, but I spent a whole summer working for a roofing company and I killed it or I did awesome. I made more money than I ever have in my life and probably the most money in a job, except for when I, you know, became an optometrist and started working there. And there's a few things that you can learn from that, that I take with me every day in optometry. And I want to share those things with you. Okay. But before I get to that, the whole whole point of what I did to give you a background was I would drive around and I go to neighborhoods and I'd look for roofs. And if a roof looked bad, I'd walk up to the door, knock, 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 take a step back, kind of turn my back, look around, and someone would come to the door and I'd try to get a lead. A lead meant I was gonna get an appointment so one of the salesmen could come in and give them an estimate on the roof. Now if you guys live in a, have houses or live in an area where you have door-to-door salesmen, you know this is not a job that probably is uh, something that you normally would do, right? Not a lot of people like this. It's confrontational at times. And you're knocking on a total stranger's door trying to get them to buy from you. But if you notice something, this happens all the time. A lot of uh, pest control does this. I have people come with that all the time. Uh, my wife would sell books in the summer doing this. Um, Obviously I did this for roofing, right? There's tons of people that do that and they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't invest this capital if it didn't work. The same principles apply to what we do every day and I want to share those with you. So let's get started. Number one, in order for someone to buy from you or take advice from you, right? Same thing, advice or buying, they have to trust you. Okay, How do you develop trust in that five second interaction? This starts the moment that they see you. the first impression, right? When they come to the door, you have to find a way to develop trust. Something that we would do in the roofing world was, hey, we were in the area doing some work and we saw just drove by, happened to see your your roof, right? Or, you know what? Uh, I was at your neighbor's house, Mrs. Jenkins. And we thought we could help you out too. What are we doing by doing that? We're building trust that you're not the first person to do business with us. Other people around you who are most likely similar to you are using our services, okay? That builds trust. So what do we do in our industry? One, you have to be trustworthy. You have to build that rapport. So how active are you in the community? What do people see you doing, right? Do they know who you are as a person? One of the things that I like to do is um, I'm very active in the community, but when I go and do that, I bring my family with me. All right. They see me as not just Dr. Lily, but I'm also a dad. I have a family. I have a wife and things like that humanize me, right? They're not talking to a doctor. They're talking to another person that happens to be a doctor that helps us connect. When we're doing stuff, with patience, and someone says, I really appreciate that. We always like to give them a business card. You know what? If you could tell a few people about us, we appreciate that. Or we try to get reviews. Why do we do these things? Because that builds trust. Trust is going to be the most important thing in what you do. And trust is following through with what you say. Okay, This comes to your staff. If they say within 24 hours you're going to get that prescription that you wanted or you're going to get the communication that we said we would give you and you don't come through, that comes back to you. All right, They know you're running the show. If you aren't leading a good ship or if you don't value those things and your staff's not doing them, that reflects on you. So make sure you're building trust. Everything you do has to do this. If you say you're going to come through, if you say you're easy to work with, if you have an issue, you can talk to me, you better follow through with that. All right? Number 2. When you first knock on that door, how you look matters, okay? In the roofing world, what are you driving? All right? If I'm driving a car or a sports car or something like that that's not gonna sit well with them uh the my boss at the time he said make sure you pay attention to the watch you're wearing right timex you know one of those swimmers watches that's okay a rolex or something really fancy and nice you know that that again doesn't sit well what are you wearing are you in workers clothes are you a professional polo How do you appear when you knock on that door? Because that, again, is setting the impression. What kind of people are going to be working at my house? Who am I letting into my world? The same thing applies to people when they come into your office. What do they see? How does everything appear? What are you wearing? Okay, literally I had a patient this week tell me because I referred her for cataract surgery and I refer a bunch of people to this doctor and she said, you know what? He's a good doctor. I trust him. I don't doubt his knowledge, but he is, and she used the term, he's like plastic. He's very, he goes, she goes, I swear, his shirts always look so precise. The way he dresses, the way he talks. She goes, I just rather talk, you're a human. And, you know, I I, I don't feel like, I feel really uncomfortable in that setting because I feel like I'm going to make something Wrong or dirty or say something wrong. And again, I've never heard that about him, but it's something I'm very aware of when I'm talking to my patients or talking to a when I was roofing, I would kind of gauge them and however they interacted with me, I'd mirror that. All right. So if you're talking to someone that, you know, Farmer Joe from down the road, I'm going to be a little more laid back. If I'm talking to a lawyer, who just happens to be on his lunch break, again, I'm going to be a much more professional. We're talking at different levels. I like to say that I'm a chameleon. Whatever they are putting out, I'm going to mirror and match. Well, again, you set the tone with that with how you dress, how you interact, how your office appears. So know that looks matter, all right? The next thing you need to know, and this is so true in the door-to-door salesman world, not everyone's going to like you. And in all reality, most people, the majority will not like you. That's serious. If I got one out of 10 doors I knocked on to say, yes, I'll set up an estimate. That's a great day. That's a great ratio. If we were in optometry and they would say it was just patients and only one out of 10 liked us, do you think that'd be a great ratio? Absolutely not. Not many people are just going ecstatic on a 10% you know, return on your investment. However, in marketing one out of 10 is very good so i'm not applying this necessarily to your interaction with the patient but you need to realize that marketing is a tough racket okay it is you have competition from mcdonald's from subway from you know the school recital that's going on Where is their time going to go? Where's their attention going to go? If you can get one out of 10 and whatever you're doing, that is a good return on investment. All right. I always like to say whenever I start a new office or start a new campaign, I'm going to throw mud on the wall and we'll see what sticks. Whatever works, we'll do more of that. Do you guys have that mentality when it comes to marketing? I do. Right. And I, that's why I try a bunch of different things. I don't care. And I kind of just adapt and go, whenever I talk to doctors, one, we don't market enough. And then two, they're like, if I'm not getting this or if I'm not getting the return on investment immediately that I can measure, I'm never doing that again. And it's just not how marketing works. So that can be applied to marketing. All right. Number four. And I think this is so true for optometry. It's very true for the door to door salesman. You are worth what you believe you are worth, all right? When it came to getting estimates, so when you get in, when I I, I walk, go on some sales calls with this salesman because I thought about trying to do that. I just didn't know enough about the industry and I didn't have enough time, but I wanted to learn. And essentially, there'd be all kinds of numbers. No one just got one estimate. When you're gonna do your roof, you get multiple estimates. And they would never take the cheapest estimate. I kid you not they would never take the cheapest one they would probably avoid the most expensive one but they go somewhere in between and even if it was the higher end of the you know price range if you believed in what you're worth and you could convey the value you were bringing to their roof or whatever you're selling or whatever you're giving them they didn't care about the cost you had to justify it to them in terms of value okay so When I was looking for a dentist for my daughters, I found a bunch of numbers, and initially, when it was really low cost, I'm like, ah, I I don't wanna pay for that. And if it was really high, I honestly felt like I'll probably get more value at that one. And I don't know if they're doing anything different, but that was my perception. When I first started my office, I was just gonna undercut everyone. That was my plan, my claim to fame. I was gonna have the lowest price around and give them the best, best service. That's not how this thing works. When they see a low price, they think low quality. Your value is what you think you're worth. I've recently raised my sales about 20 30% raised frame prices, like $50 a frame, and they're still moving because we believe in what we're selling, we believe in what we're doing, and people will pay for that. So don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. You need to believe in your value. And that goes along with the most important thing you can learn from a door-to-door salesman. Confidence sells. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in what you're doing, no one else is going to do it. It all starts when you look in the mirror. You have to believe that you can do what you say you're going to do, and that will exude out of you. Everyone can tell if someone's not confident, right? If you're not sure of what you're doing, think about when you first started seeing patients how uncertain you were when you saw that uh not textbook person or someone didn't that a refraction that didn't go exactly how you thought it'd go, you get a little nervous. You go out and tell your attending, Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Or I tell my attending, this kid is kicking my butt. He's giving me all kinds of answers. I have no idea what I'm doing. Please help me. Right? You phone a friend. But now that you know what you're doing or if you're in sales and you get one sale, it's so common that you you get one estimate and they come in bunches and you get five more why is that do you think your you know speech was any different you had more charisma no you're confident and people can see that right this needs to go top down you have to be confident in what you're doing your staff has to be confident in what you're doing everything has to be a sense of we know what we're doing we're going to take care of you and people will buy off that they'll feed off that and people will want to come to your office so those are the, probably the five most important things you can learn from a door door salesman. People have to trust you. Looks matter. Not everyone's going to like you, and that's okay. You are worth what you think you're worth, and you have to be confident to do what you do. That's what I got. We'll have more for you next week. <laughs> All right, friends, a little office talk. So as you know, I'm trying to grow And I'm looking at my core office right now, my Allendale office, and it is awesome. We're doing great. We're on pace to do a mil, 1 million in gross revenue. Again, I never thought that possible. And I have 1,600 square feet. I have have seven full-time staff members in 1,600 square feet. Yes, we are really bunched in there and so many people. But again, we're doing that much. I literally work out of probably one exam room. I have two, but I just use the one. It's all I really need. One workup room. And I, again, I have two exam rooms and then a uh, special testing for my OCT camera, visual field, all that. So I'm doing that in my overhead right now. my My rent is about $2,000 a month. Okay. Not bad. It's a little high probably for, you know, if you look at price per square foot, but because it's so little square foot, it's easy overhead and I'm doing awesome, right? Well, I'm looking at a lot of different real retail spaces and retail is through the roof right now. All right. It's ridiculous. And talking to a good spot, good location, and he's like $20 per square foot. And I need probably, I want to be about 2,500 to 3,000 square feet. I want to be enough where I'm comfortable and I can add one more doctor, but I'm not, I'm leaving meat on the bone, right? If we, you know, hit winter. It's a cold stretch. Like we aren't overextending ourselves. But then I looked at it and if I don't want to hire not another doctor for another like two, three years, $5,000 a month is what that 3000 square foot equates to. I've more than doubled my overhead. I don't think I can honestly see more patients, right? Unless I work more hours, but it's really at that limit. And I don't want to work more. I'm I'm doing great where I'm at. So this is the dilemma Do I make that move now, with the idea that I'm going to grow into it, or do I stay where I'm at and, you know, make the move in a year or two when I have another doctor that's ready to jump on? It's just the dilemma I'm going through, and I'm sure everyone right now is that's trying to grow and expand. You have to consider these things, and that's the million-dollar question. If it's you're looking at X's and O's on paper, it's never going to make sense. Honestly, it will never make sense. But to get where you want to be, and that's again. We talked about that BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Listen to, I forget what episode it is, but we've talked about this. To set that, to get there, you have to do certain things that don't make sense on paper, right? And that's how you grow into it. I just don't know if I'm ready to get there. And that's the, the golden handcuffs, right? If you accomplish everything that you set out to do, are you still happy? And that's the decision I'm trying to work through and make right now because I really have a good life. I like not answering to anyone else. I like working as the only doctor. It's just, is that what I want to do in five years? If that, what I want to do in 10 years, then I guess that's planning, right? Next thing is, this week, my office manager was on vacation. Awesome. So I have two people, if you uh, listen to the past episode, i have started my organizational chart, right? My front desk coordinator and my optical manager. They took over and there's nothing nothing wrong with that. My optical manager has been with me for about five years. She's doing awesome. She's getting up, she's handling all the issues. And I looked at my front desk person, I'm like, hey, if optical manager wasn't here, do you think you would be able to do all that? Or is anyone looking to you for answers? And she kinda looked at me and was like, Oh, didn't really think about it. Oh, no, that's fine. You're not it's not that you're doing anything wrong you need to be aware of this. I've put you in a leadership position. You're the next one up. Are you ready for this? And it just kind of opened her eyes to it. And the rest of the week, she was fine. She's trying to take it on and and whatnot. And I go, hey, this is the difference between having all the ideas and then actually have to lead and implement them, right? It's exhausting, isn't it? Like you have to do all your work. You have to listen for everyone else in case there's something going on with them. And then you have to implement all the changes that you're trying to make. It's a lot. And it gave her kind of perspective. And essentially, I told her, we're going to work through this. I'm going to give you more guidance and leadership, but you have to switch that mindset now. And again, when you're developing leaders, when you're developing that organizational chart, you have to give them carrots, things to strive for. Leadership is not natural. Like you as an office owner... You're not a natural leader per se, right? Again, you probably have those qualities, but it takes time to develop your your tone, how you handle everyone and to feel okay with it because you're going to feel like an imposter initially, like you don't belong and man, I, I'm really just winging it here. Do they know that I'm doing that? Or are you confident in selling them on your vision, selling them on the changes you're going to make, giving them value? right? If you don't, they're going to look through you. They're not going to listen and you're going to fall apart. But just like you had to grow and develop, you have to make sure that the people you're putting in place to lead your office can grow and develop too. So I'm looking forward to that. It's it's kind of fun and uh, I, I'll, I'll just keep you in the loop as that develops. I'm also trying to develop uh, a like a curriculum. And once I do that, I have a book that I'm reading to help do that. If it comes together like I want, I'm going to make that available to you guys. So a curriculum that you can work on with staff, with uh, the book you can buy, and then just exercises you can do with staff. If it works well for me, I want it to work well for you. Stay tuned. We'll have that for you. Uh, But that's what I got. We'll have more office talk next week. Where or where did the time go? We're to the closing thought of the episode. And today, I want to talk about passion, all right? Obviously, I'm an exception to the rule to some extent because what do I do? I'm an optometrist, and what's my passion? Apparently, optometry and talking about optometry. I would say it's probably more of a business mindset uh, because I love the business side of things. That's what we talk about a lot, but I love optometry too. And when I was talking to, uh, I was on the Try Not to Blink podcast, uh, The question came up and essentially I said, one of the coolest things about optometry is what it allows you to do. Because I love this, but the job allows me to be a leader in my community. I'm on the Chamber of Commerce. I'm asked to speak to the high school football team and kind of relate what sports have taught me down the road and how I apply it to my everyday life. Things like that. I have movies in the park and that's awesome. That's something that I love about this profession. And I'm listening to uh, another book, reading a book called Small Giants. Good book. If you, it, it, It's good to listen to a lot of good stories. But one of the things that they did in there to help make their staff, their employees, feel like they had that same feeling was they said, whatever charity you want to give to will match one time. Or whatever charity you give to, whatever don- donation you make, I'll double it. They got up to four times to get people to give. And then they kind of scaled it back and went from there. I thought that was a really cool idea because that's why I love what I do. To get your staff, and in this world of where we're hiring the millennial population generation, right, they like causes, and they like their causes. Again, they'll buy into what you're doing, and they like to see you're doing it, but they have their passion projects. If you can get them to feel like you're investing in that, and by them working for you, they get to make their, their passions a reality, that's just a little nugget there. Take it for what you will. Make it your own. Make that little tool make a better workplace for your staff. I'm going to try to use it. That's what I got. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.